I wasn't very convinced by his arguments. Um, there are examples. I mean, God kills Onan uh, for the sin of, you know, so, I'll say self-abuse um, and, uh, and, and lust, you know, whether or not it's, it fits into a specific one of the 613 Jewish laws certainly opens us up to further sin. I'm sure many of you have heard of Dennis Prager. You've heard his fireside chats on PragerU. Well, Dennis was on with Jordan Pearson and uh, a few others, and he made some very controversial remarks around lust and pornography. Have a look. Obviously, Christianity and Judaism are not identical religions, uh, and, and we have no equivalent that if you look upon another woman with lust, it's as if you have committed adultery with your heart. There's only one way to commit adultery in Judaism, and it's with a different organ. And I'm not being cute. I'm, I'm being very realistic. Uh, looking with lust is not a sin in Judaism. You could expound everything Jesus said from thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife or another woman you're not whatever. Well, you know, the whole point okay. of coveting, it begins in the heart. And I, I understand your Hebrew word for covet is the desire doesn't stop halfway. Right, to take. It takes action. It's to take. Yeah. It's not, there's no ban in the 613 laws of the Torah on lusting. I always ask if a wife calls me and says, my husband looks at pornography, I, I, I found on his computer, I have one question. How is your in life of intimacy with your husband? Is it good? In other words, is the pornography in lieu of you or in addition to you? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. about a single woman? I asked one of the great Protestant thinkers of our generation in a public debate in Phoenix. I asked them, so can a single Christian male look upon a single woman with lust? He can't be committing adultery. He's not married and she's not married. So is the real ban lust or is the ban on adultery? It does even seem like Jordan Peterson gave support to that notion. Uh, and I know this is not a religious answer, and mm -hmm. I, I'm not even giving a religious answer. I'm giving mm -hmm. what I think is a moral and realistic answer. Men want variety. And uh, if adultery is a substitute for, if pornography is a substitute for one's wife, it's awful. If it's a substitute for adultery, it's not awful. That's, that is my unpredictable answer. Well, there is a clinical rule of thumb that's akin to that, I would say. If you're trying to decide clinically whether someone's partaking in a habit, say use of alcohol, has reached the threshold of clinical significance, one of the things you do is ask the, the person you're assessing, now, is it interfering with your employment? Has it got you in trouble with the law? Is your family complaining? Does it stop you from doing other things that you should be doing? And so the judgment isn't the use of the forbidden substance itself. It's, it is in some sense consequentialist. And I'm not saying that that's an absolute, but it is a, it is a hallmark of clinical judgment. So I would just ask, you asked me about pornography. So this man was faithful to a wife with whom he could not have relations, obviously for a decade or more, I, it may have, I think it went to 15 years, would he have been wrong in relieving his sexual tension uh, uh, with, a, with a photograph? We're going to be discussing that on today's episode of the John Henry Weston Show, as well as a new Eucharistic miracle, at least one that's under investigation. And finally, we're going to have a look at Fulton J. Sheen's prayer for adoption of unborn children.
With me to discuss that today is LifeSite writer Matt Lamb. Stay tuned. Hello, LifeSite friends. Aren't you sick of the cancel culture? Aren't you sick of the overlords at YouTube deciding what you'll be able to see and what you won't? Are you sick of them dictating morality and your use of pronouns? Well, we have had enough. With rampant attacks and continuous censorship we face here at LifeSite News, we've decided to bite the bullet. We are taking video into our own hands and we're playing on our own terms rather than the whims of big tech. We have launched our own video platform. Now we have the ability to showcase our important news and views without the risk of being banned and silenced. Defenders of faith, life, family, and freedom can now speak freely at LifeSite News without censorship from anti-life, anti-family, anti-faith, anti-freedom folks who seem to run all the big tech companies. This, of course, takes tons of hard work and also your support. So we're in the midst of our quarterly spring fundraising campaign, and we are in need of your support, both prayerful and financial. These fundraising campaigns are vital to our survival and the ability to broadcast the truth for free all around the world. So with the launch of our new video platform, we will be incurring many new ongoing expenses due to the size and bandwidth of our servers, the personnel expenses to maintain such a large system, and for new and improved features that we hope to add in the coming months. We must raise our campaign goal of an absolute minimum of $500,000 to continue the fight to withdraw completely from big tech and strengthen our ability to survive in the giant online world. So please donate at the link in the description below. Thank you for your prayers, your support, and your dedication. We are honored to be in this fight with you. May God bless you. Matt, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So Matt, very controversial suggestion. Uh, you know, Dennis Prager obviously is Jewish, and uh, he's talking about lust, and obviously our Lord's line about even looking at a woman uh, with lust, you've already committed adultery in, in your heart. What did you make of his take on pornography? Well, it was pretty disturbing. Uh, Dennis Prager is normally very good on um, issues uh, such as biblical marriage, um, life issue. So it was pretty disturbing to see that clip um, on Jordan Peterson's uh, show on the Exodus, which is on Daily Wire. And I wasn't very convinced by his arguments. Um, there are examples, I mean, God kills Onan uh, for the sin of you know, I'll say self-abuse um, and, uh, and and lust, you know, whether or not it's, it fits into a specific one of the 613 Jewish laws certainly opens us up to further sin. Um, it sounded like Dennis Prager agreed that an actual, that a marital affair, uh, you know, adultery would be sinful. And so I'd want to wonder why he would even open himself up or encourage others or be permitted um, others opening themselves up to uh, pornography or other lustful behaviors that even if he doesn't consider it a sin would um, put someone in an occasion of sin, as we might say. Indeed so. In fact, the whole thing about pornography is very disturbing anyway, also because of the way porn is manufactured. This is not, you know, actresses just showing up at their normal job and this is just, but no. 
we have had umpteen testimonies from inside the porn industry of how abusive it is. Most of these women and and men, but he's talking here about about women, are abused. They're usually uh, abused with drugs through pimps or whatever they call themselves in in terms of producers or whatever the terminology they use. But this is a horrific industry of abuse of women and men, and it's sickening to support it by viewing this material is very, very harmful, not only to yourself, to all of society. You're damning society with this, you know, support of an industry that's so very harmful for people. Absolutely. And there's also the psychological effects of people who watch pornography. Dennis Prager does something regularly on his show called the uh, Happiness Hour. And he's a very thoughtful person, as you can tell. He's very into music. He's just a good, a good, generally good thinker, except on these issues, maybe, uh, except on these issues, I should say. Um, but uh, and, and so there's the anxiety and depression. And it really is a drug. I mean, I'm sure LifeSite has plenty stories on this, plenty of psychological studies. So even briefly setting aside the theological sinful nature of it, um, it clearly is harmful. And I would ask Dennis Prager, does he think that King David only sinned when he when he committed adultery or when he looked with lust? I would say that he sinned when he looked with lust. And at a minimum, as I said earlier, that opened him up uh, those further sins of adultery and murder, actually, too. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I was very disturbed to hear uh, Dennis Prager and Jordan Peterson appearing to affirm some of those beliefs. That was really concerning as well, because in truth, even though he's Jewish, he should have been taken up as a brother, a child of God anyway, taken up to recognize this harmfulness. I know Jordan Peterson knows about the way porn is produced and and how horrific it is. He also knows these massive psychological effects. I mean, as a psychologist, he's talked about it before. Um, the, The differences in the brain pathways formed by pornography, how harmful that is, and then how it taints all of your other relationships, Um, not only with your spouse, which it does anyway, but then also with other women. So it's a very damaging and deleterious thing. And it needed someone to call out Dennis Prager in charity and in love. This is by no means a slam on Dennis Prager. This is hopefully a way of reaching out to him. And I would hope that because I'm sure he's surrounded by good Catholics and Christians, because you can't be in this milieu where you're on the right trying to promote, mostly promote, you know, normal human values without being in touch with good people. So I would pray that those folks who are close to him would reach out to him with the fullness of truth. And they have an opportunity here to evangelize, because if Judaism does not answer this properly, it needs to, you know, it, we need, we have to be able to share this truth. And if that's one of the areas where there's a, you know, a possibility to introduce Christ and his values. And and that's what he's talking about here. He's he's coming at it from that perspective of Jesus about looking at a woman with lust. And maybe there's an inroad there to bring these good folks into the fullness of truth, because that's what we always need. Um, one of the things that is, um, at least it's a, a quote that was from a former porn actress who was in the industry herself and came out and then described what was going on. Her words always struck me. It was, you've got to remember, you are watching and therefore abusing someone's daughter, someone's sister, someone's mother. If you can 
put yourself in that mind. If you can see that woman who is here abused in front of the cameras as your own daughter, as your own mother, as your own sister, we've, we've got to be able to do that because the, the hormones, the takeover, the lust is so powerful. When we look at these things, it, it's impossible. And it's, we don't have to go to it to look at it. It shows up for you uh, in, in emails and, and billboards and whatever else. But these are abusive situations, situations that we have to put ourselves in the right frame of mind about. Any final thoughts, Matt? No, I think you laid it out well. Um, I, I hope someone can fraternally correct uh, Dennis Prager. You know, now the episode's aired, but um, perhaps someone now can sort of speak to him one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I know that's Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire, and he's uh, Orthodox Jewish. Uh, he's Jewish as well, so um, maybe he has a different interpretation. Uh, or hopefully Jordan Peterson, given his psychological background, could help guide him and, and perhaps re-examine his own views. So let's just continue to pray um, for Dennis Prager and, and everyone that might be trapped in, in lust or, or be, be confused. Amen to that. And this is really fascinating. We got news of a supposed, for now, Eucharistic miracle in Connecticut. And God bless Father for bringing it to light publicly because often that stays in the background till you know, years and years and years later. But let's have a look at Father's testimony about a Eucharistic miracle. We had something happen. Uh, it's hard to say, actually. It's God provides. And it's funny how God provides. And sometimes it comes in, in a weird way, in a mystical way, in a strange way. And one of our Eucharistic ministers was running out of hosts, and yet they didn't. And suddenly there's more hosts in the uh, Saborium. Just God duplicated himself in the Saborium. It's uh, God provides, it's, it's strange how God does that. And that happened, and it was noted by one of our Eucharistic ministers that was giving out communion to you guys uh, today. It's really, really cool when God does those things. And it's really, really cool when we realize what he's done. And it just happened today. Very powerful, very awesome, very real, very uh, shocking. But also, it happens. It happens. And today it happened. Where they were running out of hosts, and all of a sudden, there were more hosts just were there. So today, not only do we have the miracle of the Eucharist, we actually had a bigger miracle. It's pretty cool. And it's on film. So this is taped. This is actually taped, and we're going to see this again and again. Matt, what was your takeaway? Yeah, so this is uh, this is you know well, they're, they're, the investigation is going on. This is actually Father Michael McGivney's old parish, who's the founder of Knights of Columbus, a great uh, pro-life advocate. And so um, we'll see if this is another confirmed Eucharistic miracle. Perhaps it was some sort of confusion. We don't know. And so, but these Eucharistic miracles, you know, are great because of course they reinforce our uh, belief, our 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 knowledge that, you know, during um, transubstantiation that this, you know, this is the real body and blood of Christ.
Yeah, it was beautiful that Father, in his bringing out the miracle, gave that teaching again and said, you know, this was great. It's, of course, reminiscent of, uh, you know, the multiplication of the loaves and fishes, as Jesus did himself. Um, And, you know, it's great because, in truth, that's sort of what's going on. God is feeding us with himself. And um, he is multiplying himself, if you will, for us. And it's a such a beautiful thing. It happens all over the world. So all over the world, every communicant who receives our Lord and blessed Eucharist actually receives our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So it's very much multiplication all by itself. But to be able to exemplify it with a with a miracle, I think... In today's day and age, we seem so far gone. The, the spiritual reality seems so removed from us. I'm so grateful when we hear of miraculous events because they're needed today, probably more than ever before. Absolutely. And it's a great uh, reminder, of course, that God's love never runs out. Um, I think it was only a couple of weeks ago, at least in the Latin masses, that they read uh, that gospel reading of the uh, loaves and uh, I'm sorry, the bread and fishes, which is not a parable about sharing, as some people have said. It is, it is, it's an actual miracle that actually, actually happened, and it serves as a great reminder. Of, of course, sometimes, unfortunately, in times where a lot of people have lost faith, um, and in a positive way, that's sometimes when, of course, God works His greatest miracles to help uh, reinvigorate our faith. And how great going into Easter to to have this this possible miracle. Um, as a way for us to strengthen our resolve as we as we wrap up Lent. And so let's pray for that parish. I didn't even realize it was Father McGivney's old parish. That's amazing. Some of you may remember, or perhaps even newly appreciate, the late Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. He is considered one of the greatest communicators in the modern era and stands as a great example for all of us in what it means to work in Catholic broadcasting. For over 50 years, Sheen captivated audience on both radio and television, and millions tuned in each week to hear his messages of hope and encouragement. One of LifeSite's supporters is Radio Maria, and they are now proud to be showcasing some of Bishop Sheen's timeless recordings on their weekly radio show entitled Bishop Sheen Presents. Please consider tuning in to Radio Maria on Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Central or Saturdays at 5 p.m. to enjoy the Venerable Archbishop's wit and wisdom. For more information on Radio Maria and their Catholic work, please visit their website, radiomaria.us. That's radiomaria.us. And now, back to the program. Last, I want to talk about also this um, prayer of Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. First of all, give us the prayer if you could, Matt. And then tell us a little bit about it. So it goes something. Um, so uh, this is from the Archdiocese of New York's website, the Respect Life Office. Uh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I love you very much. I beg you spare the life of, and you can either pick a name or just say the unborn baby that I've spiritually adopted who is in danger of abortion. There's a couple different ways you could do this prayer. I mean, you could do it over nine months. So every month representing nine months of pregnancy. So if you start it now, you know, we get to Christmas, it'll be the ninth month, or you could do it as a novena. Um, and this prayer is is basically you're spiritually adopting a baby that is in danger of abortion. Uh, should we be so blessed to, uh, you know, achieve eternal salvation? We maybe we, we, we would get to know, of course, what our works benefited and perhaps get to meet those uh, babies we spiritually adopted. And so this is um, uh, 
Bishop Fulton Sheen, one of the great, uh, relatively recent um, Catholic uh, leaders. And actually, when I was in grade school, I used to do this. My religion teacher was a distant relative of uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen. And the church I go to now, they have binders full of all of the spiritually adopted babies that their parish has done um, going back years in a little little shrine with with Mary. And, and so it's just quite beautiful, this, this dedication uh, to saving babies from abortion, because even if the Supreme Court, even though the Supreme Court made a great decision in June, there's still plenty of work to do here and, of course, across the world to, to end the, the violence of abortion. Indeed so. Now, people might wonder, is there official teaching? Because this comes up to a rather controversial thing in the church. What happens to babies when aborted? And it's sort of a question left unanswered. What's your understanding of the church's teaching on that? It's a gray area. Um, my understanding is that the idea of limbo has not necessarily been abolished. We can uh, so so it's 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 up in the air. Some would say, well, is it a form of baptism of desire in the same way of if there was a Protestant who was converting and was let's say killed the day before Easter Vigil, well, he had the desire to become a baptized or he had the desire to enter the Catholic Church. Um, it's one of those things we don't really won't really know, I guess, until the end of the end of time. Um, we can feel confident that a baby who died, of course, no baby could really die through their own fault, um, would not uh, suffer. And I think we can trust in God that he would take care of the littlest of ones um, in, in whatever in whatever form that is. Now, just so that people understand, limbo uh, is a place of total happiness, but it's not the full union, the beatific vision with God uh, that is experienced by the saints and angels in heaven. So there is a very much qualitative difference there. And um, however, there is an argument, and it's been made quite forcefully. It was in discussion in Rome already over a decade ago, but it was the comparison of the babies who died uh, in Christ's stead, you might say, um, when he had to, the Holy Family had to flee to Egypt. Uh, the decree went out from Herod to kill all the little babies, uh, two years old and under, male babies, and uh, that got executed. And so hundreds or maybe more of these little babies were killed. We regard them as saints. On December 28th, we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Innocents and regard all those children as saints. So the argument has been made that, you know, all these unborn children are in a very similar way. Um, saints. And the move was, the request was of this group that's pushing forward this cause to have them declared such. Um, and one of the, you know, this is of course what they, the main argument is the comparison to these, uh, to the holy innocents. And um, they also say what an army of intercessors that would be uh, for us, both to, to end the culture of death, but also to help us uh, in in our current struggles that we have in the world today. Your take on that? That's Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. Um, I'm actually rereading the notes of uh, St. Therese, and she prayed to uh, her, her, she had lost several siblings before she was born. She was, of course, the last one of her parents. And she had prayed to those 
uh, lost siblings. And I don't know that all of them were baptized. I guess if they were baptized, they'd, they'd be in heaven. And she prayed to them to overcome her scruples, and that helped. Um, and I believe there actually is an unborn, uh, a preborn baby who is part of a family who's up for canonization. So it's an interesting cause. I actually didn't know about that. But but of course, the Feast of the uh, the Holy Innocents does in some way affirm the idea that they are in heaven if they can intercede for us. Um, so that's a beautiful cause. I actually didn't know about that, but uh, I'd be happy to see how that turns out. Indeed. And that is practice. A lot of people who have miscarried babies, they're unable to, you know, we've had three ourselves. And the intent is there in a huge way. All we want to do with our children is, is give them to our Lord. It was our greatest desire to to have our babies baptize them. And even should they all have died, um, you know, the eight living children we have, it would have been our greatest joy to baptize them and give them to the Lord. So, you know, that desire is there in spades in terms of the parents wanting to, you know, baptize their children. And when they die in utero, uh, early or, or unable to baptize anyway, um, you know, there's a lot of hope. And a lot of these parents, uh, us included, give names to their unborn children who they lose in utero and uh, encourage their children, living children, to use their intercession. And uh, I think that's a beautiful practice. I know it's a, it's a gray area, but uh, surely our Lord looks after these little ones whom he has called to himself because, um, you know, in, in the cases of miscarriage, that's not, you know, anyone's uh, doing but the Lord's. The Lord's seen fit to that. Praise be the Lord. And uh, while it's a cross, I think that cross is alleviated and the um, reality mitigated by the intercession of your little ones who, um, in, in my hope anyway, go to the Lord right away. Yeah, let's, we, we can, we can pray and, uh, and it doesn't, never hurts to pray more. So. Indeed. indeed. Matt, any final thoughts for us? No, thank you again for having me. And of course, continue to Lifesite News, and we'll see how this turns out with the Eucharistic miracle and perhaps a conversion of Dennis Prager. Amen to that. We'll have Matt back soon to talk with us about colleges, since uh, he works also at the College Fix. This is John Henry Weston, so thanks for joining us. God bless you, and God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.